Please pray with me. Holy Father, you are the living God. There is no God besides you. You are sovereign, the author of life. As we open your breathed out word, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that we might know you more fully. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we might know the hope of your calling, the glorious riches of your inheritance, and your incomparably great power toward those who believe in you. Fill us, fill me with your fullness, and reveal yourself as gracious. This we humbly ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Dead man walking, dead man walking. This is a slang expression shouted by prison guards when escorting death row prisoners from their cells to the execution chamber. The phrase dead man walking also perfectly defines the lost. They are the living dead. Apart from God, there is no life in them. They are merely empty shells. Is that what you think of when you think of the lost? Sear this image in your mind. A mass grave. Horrific images of war with dead bodies stacked one upon the other. Picture an entire valley filled with dry, lifeless bones. That is the image that God gave the prophet Ezekiel, a valley filled with dry, lifeless bones. But as Ezekiel's vision continued, God revealed what it looks like when his Holy Spirit regenerates or breathes life into a soul. In Ezekiel chapter 37, God commands Ezekiel to prophesy to a valley of dry Bones, bones in which there is no trace of life. God then tells Ezekiel to say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord, because the word of God has power to give life. As Ezekiel prophesied or spoke forth the word of God, there was a noise, a, a rattling sound, and bones came together, bone to bone. Tendon and flesh appeared on them, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So God instructs Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, saying, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. As Ezekiel spoke these words, breath entered these dead bodies. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast and living army. You see, the dead bodies needed to be filled with God's Spirit. They needed the breath touch of God. The breath touch of God is what every lost soul so desperately needs. But believers also need his breath touch. 
the Holy Spirit who began the salvation process in us with new birth, continues to sanctify every believer to make them more and more like Jesus Christ, to grow them in holiness. This process called sanctification continues until the day we die and are taken home in glory. Every day that you and I draw earthly breath, we need heavenly breath. The breath touch of God fills us with God's Spirit. This is how believers are filled with all the fullness of God. This is Paul's desire stated in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and it is what I call God fullness. While this is God's work, he accomplishes this work as we spend time with him. In fact, God fullness requires much time spent with God. That is the truth we will examine in two divisions, fullness found in Christ and fullness found in covenant. So our first division is fullness found in Christ. We're going to take an overview of the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul wrote the letter or epistle of Ephesians to the churches around Ephesus while in prison, probably in Rome, about 60 AD. Ephesus was located near the Aegean Sea on the west coast of present-day Turkey. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia and an important commercial port city. It was famous for its pagan temple, dedicated to the worship of the goddess Artemis, or Diana. This was a huge temple, identified as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was the leading center of the imperial cult, where even Christians were pressured to worship Roman emperors. The culture in Ephesus was grossly immoral and profoundly pagan. This caused great difficulty and suffering for the Christians there. Paul wrote to the Ephesians to remind them of all that was theirs in Christ. In this letter, he displays the full scope of God's eternal plan for all humanity, for Jews and Gentiles alike. He says, this is the mystery of God hidden for ages, but now made known in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 focus on what Christians should believe and unfold the glorious riches of God's grace in Christ. Paul tells us that dead sinners are made alive and gain eternal salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians chapters 4 through 6 explain the implications of God's grace for the church, for individuals, and for families. Paul reveals God as a gracious God who shows favor and kindness to those who do not deserve it. Throughout the Old Testament, God was gracious to a stiff-necked people. Despite their rebellion and disobedience, God was long-suffering, loving, merciful, and gracious. In the New Testament, God's graciousness is connected to our salvation. He is gracious toward us simply 
because he loves us. Not that we are lovable in any way. He pours out the fullness of his love and mercy on us because he loves us. Because he is gracious. He gives us good things even though we do nothing to deserve them. He is good to us even when we do not acknowledge him or worship him. He loves us and cares for us because he is gracious. This is seen throughout the book of Ephesians as Paul reminds believers of the fullness found in Christ. Paul wants his readers to grasp the fullness of God's love loudly proclaimed at the cross. The Apostle John captures this love in one familiar verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life abundant and eternal life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus laid down his life on the cross, not only to save us, but to sanctify us. That is to fill us with all the fullness of God. How do we live this abundant life? Spend time with God. God fullness requires much time spent with God. This women's Bible study is designed to help you do just that. The first thing you need to do is make a daily, unbreakable appointment with God. Begin each day by bowing your head in reverent awe, praising him for who he is. This is the deity of the three deep Bible study method. Each lesson highlights one attribute of God. Use his attributes to savor him or meditate on him. Doctrine is the second D of the three deep Bible study method. One doctrine found in the assigned scripture passage is also highlighted each week. The word doctrine simply means teaching, a body of beliefs or instruction. As you study scripture, we will help you look for the teaching of the Bible because sound doctrine is vital to the Christian faith. There is a lot of unsound teaching in our world today. Are you able to detect false teaching? Can you present a strong argument for the truth of God's word? Are you equipped to share the gospel? Do you see evidence in your life that you are growing in holiness? All believers should be able to answer those questions, every one of them, with a confident yes. Such confidence comes when you know God's word. How well do you know God's word? 
Do you know the doctrine or the teaching of the Bible about the Bible? God's Word is found in the Holy Bible, meaning it is an amazing document that contains the very words of God, the Father Almighty, and the Creator of all that is. 1 Timothy 3, 16-17 tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is God's gracious gift to us. The Holy Spirit inspired 40 different human authors to pen the 66 books that comprise the Bible. Because God breathed it out, it is inerrant, meaning it is without error in the original manuscripts. It is divine, revealing the very person of God and expressing the very mind of God. Because this is true, a document written over a period of 1,600 years by so many different flawed humans is flawless and successfully tells one story, the story of redemption. This story is drenched with the grace of God, which culminated in his gift of Jesus Christ. He is the one and only Son of God and the personification of the written and spoken Word of God. As you study the Bible, look for how the passages of Scripture fit into the meta narrative or the overarching message of God's redemptive plan. This is the heartbeat of the Bible. Every time you open his word, begin with prayer, asking the author, the Holy Spirit, to illuminate his story. Look for his purpose in writing what you are studying. Paul's purpose in writing Ephesians is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is our all in all. He fills us with all the fullness of God. The third D of the three deep Bible study method is the diamond or the multifaceted gem that God wants you to see, know, and apply to your life. Our lessons are designed to help you keep your focus here. We have done a lot of the discovery linking scripture to God's deity or attributes and, and to doctrine so that you can do more reflecting. Ask God to show you how to apply his word to your daily life. Then do it. Our souls are pierced by what our minds grasp. An intellectual understanding of the deity or attributes of God and the doctrines or teachings of the Bible is a necessary condition for spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit illumines, then applies God's truth to our lives to transform us and fill us with God's fullness. 
Spend much time with God in his word. Immerse yourself in it. Enter his grand and glorious story. Look for how he reveals his glorious character. One by one, the brushstrokes of his attributes paint a portrait of the one true living God. If you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me assure you, he is the one your heart longs for. The emptiness of your soul longs for the God fullness found only by spending much time with God. Use the three deep Bible lessons to spend time with the one whose gracious hand is reaching out to you because he wants to transform you into all he created you to be. He gives you all you need as a gift of his grace. The truth is, is that God fullness is a gift of God's grace. That's our first truth. God fullness is a gift of God's grace. What in your life shows others you have received this gift of God's grace? How full is your God tank? This year, how will you increase your hunger and thirst for the one who loves your soul. How will you quench that hunger and thirst? God's Son, Jesus Christ, is a gift of His grace. He saves you, then sanctifies you as His breath touch fills you with all the fullness of God. Has He breathed new life into you? Is he regularly breathing fresh spiritual wind into you? Some of the best meals I have eaten are accompanied by memories of being so full I could hardly breathe or move. What would it be like to be that full of God? It's what he wants. God fullness is an amazing gift of grace. Spend much time with God so that he can fill you with all his fullness. The opposite of a soul full of God is a lean soul. The people in Malachi's day were marked by leanness of soul rather than God fullness. Yet God continued to uphold his covenant with them. He wanted to fill them with his gift of grace. As we take a broad view of the book of Malachi, we see that their fullness was found in God's covenant with them. Our second division is fullness found in covenant. In the Bible, God's covenant or agreement to save mankind from his sin spans the entire Bible. 
God entered into the Old Covenant, or the Old Testament, with his people before Christ came. This covenant is defined by his law. The New Covenant replaced the Old Covenant after Christ came, and is defined by the grace that came through Jesus Christ. He perfectly fulfilled the law on our behalf. The Old Testament commences what the New Testament completes. Malachi was the last prophet of the Old Testament. His name means my messenger or my angel. That is what prophets are. They are God's messengers, his mouthpieces. They speak forth what God says. The name Malachi may even be a form of Malachiah, which means messenger of Yahweh, or Yahweh is my messenger. Yahweh is the personal name of God given to Moses at the burning bush when he called Moses to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, God told Moses, his name is I am who I am. He said, this is my name forever, and thus I am be to be remembered throughout all generations. I am Yahweh, or Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel. He promised to dwell with and among his people. The repeated refrain in the Old Testament is, I will be their God and they will be my people. This is covenant language. The great I am, Yahweh, is in covenant with his people. Throughout the Old Testament, he faithfully loves and cares for his people, despite their unfaithfulness. His chosen people should have been spending much time with their God in prayer, in worship, and in service. Instead, they lived like the pagan world around them. In the Old Testament, God sent prophet after prophet to call them to repent and to return to right relationship with him to tell his people that God's fullness is found in covenant with him. Malachi was most likely a priest, and he was a contemporary of Nehemiah. He wrote to call God's people to repentance. He addresses many of the same concerns as Nehemiah. Both rebuke God's people for marrying heathen women, neglecting to pay their tithes, disregarding the Sabbath, corrupting the priesthood and oppressing the poor. They ministered to very lean souls. In Malachi, these lean souls had the audacity to question the Lord God Almighty, and he personally answers their questions. Malachi introduces each of these declarations from God with the words, You say. Underline that every time you see it in Malachi. You say, says God. Then he addresses the accusatory questions of his faithless people. 
You say, I do not love you. Let me tell you how I loved you. You say you have not despised my holy name. Let me tell you how you have failed to honor me. You say I do not accept your offering. Let me tell you why. When the people question God's justice, God responds by foretelling the coming of both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Malachi 3, 1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. God will keep his covenant promises. He will redeem his people. Israel's covenant God is the Lord, the great I am, the God who describes himself as merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But his people were uncertain, ignorant, and ill-informed about the awesome character of God, so much so that they were very lean souls. I guarantee you they were not spending much time with God. Their questions make it abundantly clear that they did not know their covenant God. He still treasured them, but they did not treasure him. They should have. They lived in the post-exile era when the temple had been rebuilt in Jerusalem. This was in 516 B.C. But this was not the messianic age they expected. They expected prosperity and power from God's hand after their return from 70 years in exile. They were looking for the covenant blessings promised by the prophets Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. These prophets said that God's Messiah would come, and when he did... The land would be miraculously and abundantly fruitful. The people of Israel would swell to a mighty throng. The nation would be exalted and esteemed by all other nations under the glorious reign of a new David. And all other nations would serve them. Their hearts had grown cold because none of this was happening. In fact, just the opposite was true. The priesthood was corrupt. Worship was boring and routine. Divorce was widespread. Social justice was being ignored. And tithing was neglected. The people in Malachi's day could not see God's covenant faithfulness because their hearts were far from God and their souls were lean. Because they were filled with doubt, disappointment, dissatisfaction, and disobedience, they did not spend time with the Lord. Does this describe you? Godfulness requires much time spent with God. Matthew Henry comments, no love to God. No thankfulness, no appetite for the bread of life, 
and the soul must be lean. He is saying that a lean soul is in a state of spiritual apathy and dryness with no appetite for spiritual things or for Christ. A lean soul craves the things of this world. It is self-focused and self-centered. It finds riches and satisfaction in material and earthly things, but is poor toward God and in the things of God. Such a soul lacks the grace, blessings, and presence of God. This is not God's desire for his people. He longs to fill his people, you, me, with his grace, blessings, and his very presence. From Genesis to Revelation, Scripture teaches that God-fullness has always been God's desire for his people. That is our second truth. God-fullness has always been God's desire for his people. Is your soul full of God? Or is your soul lean? The word lean means lacking flesh or fat, deficient in an essential or important quality or ingredient. The lean soul is missing something that it ought to have, namely the fullness of God. There is only one thing more tragic than a lean soul, and that is a lost soul. Who do you know that needs the breath touch of God? Is he or she a lean soul or a lost soul? Is it you? Commit to spending much time with God. If your soul is lost, pursue his truth found in the Bible. Direct your questions and your doubts to God. He is flawlessly faithful. He delights to answer those who genuinely seek him. God's ultimate gift of grace to the lost and sinful world is his son, Jesus Christ. He is the breath touch of God to dead men walking. His life, death, and resurrection brings life to the dead, eternal life. In grace, God gave us the extraordinary gift of a Savior to make an atoning sacrifice sufficient to pay for all sin, for all mankind, for all time. When we believe in him as the source of our salvation, we will not perish, but have eternal life. That life begins at the very moment that we receive him. And it is the abundant life promised to all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. This means if your soul is lean, you can feed it. Feast on the riches of God's word. God wants you and me to be filled with all his fullness. He has preserved his word for us in the Bible throughout the ages so that our souls need never be lean. God fullness. 
has always been God's desire for his people. Have you received the breath touch of God? Or is your soul lost or lean? Without the life-giving breath touch of God, we are dead in our sin with no desire to respond. In fact, we are unable to respond and we stand condemned. Dead men walking. The condemned will live eternally apart from God, banished from his presence. Imagine a world without God, without anything good, no beauty, no peace, no kindness, no joy, no love, no hope. We see glimpses of this hell in our fallen world. Catastrophes, famine, war, terrorism, hatred, cruelty, depravity. That is a world living in darkness, shut off from God's light. Does this not break your heart? Pray for God's divine initiative in salvation to bring dead men walking to life. Maybe your soul is lean. Know this, once the Holy Spirit breathes his life into you, he comes to live in you and begins sanctifying you by filling you with all the fullness of God. This God fullness requires much time spent with God. Spend time with God. Worship him. Exalt his character with praise-laced prayer. Saturate your soul with the truth of his word. Fill up with his fullness. Then share what you learn with the women in your small group. This equips you to share God's gospel truth with the lost Dead men walking need to hear the word of God to awaken their hearts to the things of God. Learn to speak the word of the Lord to the lost and the lean by spending much time with God. So much time that your heart continually sings, breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine till all this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. That, my friends, is the prayer of the lost and lean souls hungering for the breath touch of God. Please pray with me. Oh Lord my God, I stand in awestruck wonder at the words you breathed out so long ago. You are the one true, perfect, and eternal God. You never change. You never lie. You are truth. Thank you for preserving your word throughout the ages and for opening our eyes to see its wonders. Thank you for how you breathe new life into us. And give us the faith to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. 
Thank you for giving us a love for Jesus that is growing stronger and stronger every day. Father, I pray that you will continue to fuel a fire in us, a passion for knowing you better, loving you more, and serving you well to the praise of your glory. As we dig into Ephesians and Malachi, I pray that you would show us your glory, God. Transform our souls. Rewrite our walk with you and make our service an act of worship to you. This I pray in the precious and powerful name above all names, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen.